Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up Podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces today. Ooh, this, this episode has been a long time coming. And by that, I mean I have been pestering this person for, for quite a few years to get her on the podcast. Uh, you'll hear me talk about it, but I was and am still a massive fan of Julie Dibbons. If you, I guess, on the newer side of triathlon, you'd probably know her more as a coach these days, coaching the likes of um, husband, power couple, husband, husband and wife, power couple, um, Marinda Carfrey and Tim O'Donnell, um, amongst many other athletes that she coaches as well. But when I was first introduced to Julie Dibbins was well, years and years and years ago uh, watching her race uh, and just being this gun swim biker and a biker that uh, we just didn't see as much in the women's racing. Like we just, I don't know, she just, and this is just to me, and like I was still, I guess, pretty new to the sport, but there was just something about it that was Badass, no bullshit, uh, got to the front of the race and it was pretty pretty much catch me if you can. Um, and a lot of the times people didn't catch her. Uh, she, you know, she won across the iron distance, um, half distance. She was an Olympian, uh, a three-time, let me just check my notes, I think a three-time Exeter world champ. Um, she's just a massive smartass as well. I just, I don't know. I, I, I rate Julie Divins so high and I'm super excited to bring her, uh, to your ears as well as mine. Um, I'm going to leave it there because I'll just let the episode do the talking and, um, apparently the glass is like bay today. So I'm going to grab my sup. Frankie Flo is at daycare and I'm going to go for a stand up paddle because I can. All right. Enjoy my chat. Uh, I hope you can get through the nonsense of us just talking shit. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Okay, ready? Perfect. Let's do this before I change my mind. <laughs> yeah, no. you're just like click, hang up. Yeah, I'm out, folks. Well, it's a great honor for me <laughs> to welcome to the Wits Up podcast. I'm going to say it's my fa- my favorite, my favorite person on the planet. Julie Dibbs. On the planet? On the planet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> my, my twin, my sister from another mister, uh, Julie Divins, Mate, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast. <laughs> Let's see how this goes and uh, maybe I'll thank you at the end of it. I'm not sure yet. Like, as you know, I'm not a huge fan of these, but hey, we're diving right in. We are. And, and. Actually, for those of you who don't know, I ask a question when people sign up to this podcast and it is, uh, what have you changed your mind about in the last five years? And Dibs is like, podcasts, being on a podcast. Yeah, being on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you. I do really appreciate it. Um, We're probably going to give each other a lot of shit throughout this uh, next hour. So I'll get in this sincere things right now. I do appreciate it. All good. Um, now the last time I saw you, 
you were at a hen's party or a, uh, what do you call it, a bachelorette party, and my husband was on the other end of a Zoom call without a shirt on. <laughs> yeah, that was quite amazing, actually. <laughs> and um, I was talking with Katie, whose uh, bachelorette party it was earlier today, telling her that I, I was doing this today because this is a big deal, obviously. <laughs> um, and she's like... I just like she doesn't know you. I don't. I don't know if you guys have met personally. Maybe in Kona. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think. She was yeah. like the fact that you got your husband on the Zoom call teaching us how to cook without a shirt on. She's like, I love Steph already. Like this is perfect. <laughs> and the funniest thing is, Brett's like the most. Oh, like, he's a shy kind of guy. Like he would never ever do that. And I was like, five minutes before we went live with you guys shirt off and he's just like what (laughs) (laughs) you could feel him blushing already you know (laughs) it was his pasty chest turning quite pink (laughs) (laughs) I don't Um, remember the pasty part but yeah (laughs) um now a serious question on average how many times have people come up to you in Kona and said are you Steph from Wits Up (laughs) seriously I would say it's between five and ten times a year. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not, Steph. I don't know who you're talking about. Do you not know who I am? (laughs) No. Um, But it it is quite amazing how people do that. And, like, I don't know. Like, I met you. I don't think I ever really thought that we looked hugely alike. Like, I guess, like, I see it now. But yeah. then people started coming up to me being like, oh, hey, Steph, how's it going? And I'm like, no, not Steph. You know, and asking me kind of wits up questions and I didn't have the answers to them. I'm like, I think you think I'm Steph. Um, yeah, so that's always entertaining and I'm sure it will happen again. <laughs> oh, God. so f- Look, it's great for me. Not great for you, though. <laughs> well, I think it's amazing, but you're like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? No. No, I'm not. <laughs> we have dressed the same today as well with our flat peak hats and, and hoodies. Uh, yeah. 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 I Perfect. still need to get my hands on one of those hats that you're wearing. Yeah. I have one for you. Just need right. to send it out. Okay. <laughs> I'll Maybe wait. I'll send, I'll send Rini out with it. She's going to – are you getting rid of her? Well, no, I might just give her something to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that's a great segue because um, I wanted I wanted to talk about really you two. Obviously, well, it's obvious to people who know you, but anyone who listens to the interactions on the outside and doesn't know that you're a massive smartass probably thinks you're a massive asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite possible, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You guys have got great banter um, between the both of you, and obviously you used to race each other as well. But but now you're coaching her, um, and I've asked her this question, and I'm not going to tell you what the answer is yet because she was pretty honest with me. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh come on! Don't be nervous. No. Um, how how your relationships kind of I guess stayed the same, even though the dynamics have probably changed quite a lot over the years. Yeah, like it, it's definitely changed. Um... We still, like, it, it's always hard, I think, when you start coaching somebody that's a friend before mm. because 
like I, I need as a coach, you need to have that level of respect and a certain amount of control, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so I always know that it's it's going to change the friendship um, one way or another. And I was definitely a little hesitant taking her on at first because of that. I didn't want it to affect our friendship, but um, you know, and I think honestly, probably in the first three to six months, I think as well with COVID and the whole COVID situ mm. situation, um, there was a time where I was like, yeah, I think I made the wrong call here. But oh, wow. Like just because I felt like it did, it was hard for us to get the balance right. Um, mm. But I, as I say, I think that was more a COVID pandemic related issue with no racing and things like that. Mm. Um, you know, and I think in the last six months to a year, things have been a lot better. And especially now that she's starting to get more into normal training, um, like it, it's really fun again. And yeah. Uh, like the banter is still there. We still ride together and I still try and turn the screws on her on the bike. Of course she um, did. <laughs> just to keep her honest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it, it's been, yeah, it's been fun and it will continue to be fun. Um, and I think our friendship now, I think our friendship is growing because of it. Yeah, right. Just, just different. Yeah, growing exactly. slightly differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, I guess that takes a little while to get used to being okay with that, that friendships, regardless of whether you turn into a coach or not, friendships over time evolve and change and, yeah. Yeah, like that. that's definitely been a big part. Or it, it's, yeah, like it, it's been interesting for me. Obviously, I was racing against a lot of my friends here in Boulder because they're mm. still racing. And I transitioned out of racing into coaching and took like that different path. Um, and so it was hard at times um, to navigate that uh, mm. in part because for a while there was a big part of me that still wanted to be racing. Mm. Um, and so I almost took a step back because I needed to. Yeah. Um, but now like I'm, I'm much more comfortable and happy coaching and I know that I don't really like, yes, there is always going to be a small part of me that wishes I was still racing, but most of it mm. is gone now. And that, you know, for everybody that transitioning out of racing, no matter what level it's, it's a transition. Mm. Um, but it was interesting to see how some of the friendships changed because of that. Um, and I'm very thankful that, uh, like my friendship with Tim and Rini like has stayed there. Like, yes, there's been ups and downs just as both of our lives change, you know, with them having the two kiddos now um, mm -hmm. and me getting more into coaching. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's fun to still be involved with them and try and, you know, push them to hopefully a successful end of their career. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you, What's it like training a husband and wife team? Yeah, that's not easy either. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely isn't because I, yeah. I do feel like, and I, I would think that they would probably admit to it. I feel like they play off each other on me, you know? So like I try to get Tim to do something and he might be able, well, Rini says that I should do this. 
you know, or, or like that he has to do something with the kids or something, or I'm like, really? So, um, yeah, it's, it's challenging, but I feel like, again, we're at a point now where we've, we've worked it out. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely a little, and that was another of my hesitancies to taking Rignon because I felt like Tim and I had a, a really good coach athlete relationship. Um, and some of the couples that I've taken on before, like it, it's hard because there's a lot of different moving parts. Um, but it's hard to say no to Rennie too. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just generally speaking? Uh, yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, right. Ah. Is um, that because she's so lovely that, or you just scared of her? I'm, I'm, per I'm terrified of her. <laughs> I'm not going to say she's lovely. Come on. No, I she's, Aust she's Australian. <laughs> Your humour is so Australian. Like, I reckon the first time I met you. I'm British. Come on. You're, no, you're humour. All of you guys are Brit Brits anyway, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But you thought I was Australian? No, no, no. The first time I uh, met you, um, you scared the crap out of me because you were so dry. I was just like, oh, my God, she hates me. <laughs> like, you just, and you're like, dude, like, nah, just. Just took the piss from day one. And you you were, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be real with you because um, the rest of the time I've just been bullshitting. You, <laughs> you, um, and I'll probably embarrass you a little bit, you were like my idol. Like I just fucking love the way that you raced. I just, <laughs> I think because you're just so badass on the bike and we didn't, like, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I just remember back then we we saw the men racing and it was all about the bike a lot. And then Julie Dibbons was just like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> are you getting too embarrassed because I'm saying nice things about you? A little you? bit, yeah. yeah. A little bit, yeah. Kind of deflect. Yeah, yeah, yes. We are so similar, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I just and I just remember watching you and I was like, fuck, she just is – you're just badass. I loved watching you race. I don't even know where this has no question. I just need to tell you how awesome I used to think you were. Now oh, you're just average at best. <laughs> <laughs> there was a day though. There was a day. Well, um, I appreciate that. Like I, you know, I think there's there's definitely some athletes out there that didn't have, like you just have one style of racing mm. and that was kind of mine. Um, and I, I loved racing. Like I loved the whole race week and that's probably the biggest, like when people ask me, what, what do I miss most about racing? And it's the whole buildup, like that whole race week, like all the, the anxiety and the anticipation that you have, like all the chit chat, all the banter. Um, that's like kind of what I miss the most, but I also had the most fun doing regardless of the outcome of the race. Yeah. Right. How did you go with, because clearly, as we've already discussed, n you're not a massive fan of being in the spotlight these days. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> you're just like, dude, I don't want to do. You have been putting this podcast off for, I'm going to say, years. I've got messages. Yeah, I, <laughs> Sorry. I definitely declined, declined a few times. <laughs> and I've just been that annoying person that's just like tapping you on the shoulder like, dibs, dibs, how about now? Yeah. How about now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here we are. Here we, are. Here we are. But so back 
during race week, obviously, uh, and when you're at the top of your game, there would have been a lot of media um, commitments and stuff. How did you cope with media back then? Um, like I, I wouldn't say like I knew that it was part of part of it, and right. like you have to do it. Um, definitely was not my favorite thing to do, but <laughs> I think that's where it just really helped having competitors like Rini and a little bit of banter with Chrissy um, in Exeter with Mel McQuaid, like just try and take the side of it that I didn't like and just have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and that allowed me to enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. We don't see much banter in the women's field, especially since you've gone. Yeah, no, like I wish there was a little bit more, um, mm. but you can't, like I think you just have to have the right personalities for it. You can't fake it. Otherwise people yeah. know it's not, it's not real. Um, yeah. You know, and it, it's fun, like in the men's side now, like just seeing a little bit of banter between like Lionel and Yan, like that's been fun to see. Mm. Um, yeah, because that helps just people get to know the you know, the personalities within the sport a little bit better. Yeah, and it, it just it makes it more entertaining as well. And that's what, as a spectator, that's what sport sport is. It's entertainment, you know. Right. I, I think people forget that sometimes. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. the thing that worked so well with Rini and I was just, um, like, as racers, we were polar opposites, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, so I think that just, and that allowed us to do some training together because I never, like, I could go ride with Renee because I knew that she was a useless bike rider. <laughs> so I was never going to be threatened by her. But in the same front, like, she would be more than happy to start warming up on a run and then just wave goodbye um, once she was warmed up. So, um like, I think if you have two athletes that are too similar, it just becomes too competitive. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, like it was fun for us to be able to train together mm. and try and push each other to become better. And then once we stood on the start line, it was like game on. Yeah. What did you, what would you say to each other when your paths crossed on the race course? Um, I, I don't remember saying words, but I always used to be like, I'm watching <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. How did you two meet? Um, we would have raced against each other um, and probably met just through that. Like, I remember doing yeah. some of the lifetime races mm -hmm. um, in, like, 2007, 2008. Uh, pretty sure I came out on top, but I'd have to check the results. And yeah. then, like, we both moved to Boulder full-time around the same time. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, like 2008, 2009. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Um, I want to go back, and I, I mean, I assume it's not so much of a um, sore point these days, but if you don't want to talk about it, you can also just tell me to shut up, which I actually don't need to give you permission to do that, do I? <laughs> Eat crying. <laughs> Dibs has brought props to the podcast. She's <laughs> she's just pulled out a tissue and started wiping her eyes. And nose. I love it. Um, but do you? Is it fair to me for me to say that your racing career didn't end the way that you would have liked? 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so that uh, it was 2011, 2011 in Kona with the in- injury. Yeah, when you yep. were like you were so far ahead on the bike, and you know, as a spectator, I was you know I was willing you on. We're like, come on, just hang in there. And unfortunately, it didn't it didn't pan out. Um, do, do you mind me asking your your memories of that race? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I I knew going in that I had a foot problem. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I had had, like, managed my foot issues for a long time back to 2004 Athens Olympics. I dislocated my toe leading up to that race and ended up doing the whole race with a dislocated toe. Um, so after that, like, I always knew I had surgery on it. I knew at some point, like, it's almost like my foot had a a half-life, like it was only going to last so long. Um, But had, thankfully, had many successful years in between 2004 and 2011. And I think it was in part the increase in mileage when I stepped up to Ironman, because I only actually did three Ironman that sometimes people forget. Um, God, I reckon I would have, I wouldn't have said pick that either because Kona Kona 2010 was my first one um and that then I did Cor- third as in you came third yeah yes. yeah 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 yes and then I did Coeur d'Alene uh to yep. qualify for 2011 and then 2011 was I- the end I'm gonna get the tissue out again <laughs> <laughs> oh um, shit but wait you but anyway, won you won Coeur d'Alene yep. didn't you I did yeah yep. yeah Oh fuck! I, of course, I know this, but it's definitely assumed that you've done more. I, yeah. I've assumed that for sure. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Go back to you. No, no. Um, so I had this foot issue, and it I, it really kind of flared up after Coeur d'Alene. Um Went to seventy point three worlds in Vegas. Had to pull out of that. Um, like tried to play around with different shoe options to try and protect it. Anyway, so I went into Kona knowing that my foot was going to start hurting at some point Um, in the run. I was hopeful that it was going to be a lot later than the first step off the bike. Um, (laughs) But so kind of when like that last month going into Kona, I was definitely on that roller coaster ride of, should I go? Shouldn't I go? Should I go? Shouldn't I go? Um, and I remember like going out for training rides and getting like 30 minutes away from here. There's a little store that has amazing baked goods. And I would get there and I'd be like, nah, I'm done. I can't do this. My head's not in the right place. I'd sit there. I'd have a Coke and a magic bar. And then I'd be all pissed off and I'd time trial home. Um, yeah. So I just like on this roller coaster ride of, I don't, I don't want to go through this in the state that I'm in. Um, but then about, I don't know, I think it was about a week to 10 days out, I was like, screw it. Like, this is, in my mind right now, the most amazing event in the world. Um, just go out there and enjoy it because this might be your last chance of doing it. I didn't wow. actually think that, but... I was just like, I just had like this moment where it's just like, you got nothing to lose. Just go out there and 
like have a blast doing what you do best. Um, I think I felt like my preparation on the bike hadn't been amazing because of this headspace that I was in. So I was somewhat surprised in the race at how good I felt and the time gaps that I was getting. And I, yeah, like, it's not like I ever really went with the mindset of trying to get a gap like that. I just felt good on the day and was just, I don't know, in the moment and just like, okay, like this is happening. Let's go for it and let's see what happens on the run. Um, And then. Yeah, like that first step off the bike. I was like, ooh, that doesn't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, this is going to be a long marathon. Yeah. Um, you know, and I get to, I don't know, I think it was like mile nine. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember if I was, I feel like Carolyn Stefan was about to pass me or it just passed me when I was just like, this is just too much. And I just yeah. pulled off the side of the road. Um, yeah. Just done. Yeah. Mile nine, that, that's still on Alihi? Yeah, so it's almost the, yeah. back to Palani, like back not too far. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. right. And who did you find first after you uh, got off the race course? So it was actually uh, Shannon and Wendy Ingram, yeah. um, Rennie's managers. Yeah. Uh, like I had met them. I didn't really know them that well at the time. But they were the first ones there. And I actually was not in a good way at that point um, and ended up getting taken off in an ambulance um, oh, shit. and spent the next 24 hours in the Kona hospital. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. Um, not foot related, but I was like severely dehydrated. Um, I think I had six IVs and yeah, they just ran a bunch of tests on me and wanted to keep me in there for 24 hours, which I did not want to do, but I did it. Sorry, it just cut out when it said, when sorry, when you said you're in the Kona hospital, but it wasn't foot related. I missed about 10 seconds. Uh, you can't get that back. It's done. <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I said... Yeah, it was not foot related. I was just I think I think I had six IVs so my eyeballs were floating. Um Holy shit. Yeah, like I was yeah, like an I don't I don't I don't need to get into it, but I'm here. So wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So, okay, so you've you've gone off the race course. Wendy and Shannon are there. Do you, so they obviously helped they got the ambulance sorted and everything for you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, I, I guess out of the two people, even though you hadn't met them, they know the sport inside and out pretty well. Um, I mean, Wendy knows a thing or two about suffering uh, yeah. on that run. <laughs> um, so probably two of the best people to be able to bump into um, in terms of being looked after. Yeah, like it was. it was like – pretty perfect in many ways mm. and uh like Wendy is now one of my best friends yeah um and that was kind of the start to the relationship and I still continue to make fun of her because I'm lying there and my whole body is cramping up and if you've met Wendy like you know her personality a little bit she's telling me to think of uh dolphins and waves just dolphins <laughs> and waves 
dolphins and waves. <laughs> you and wanted I'm to like, punch her, didn't you? Yeah, you wanted to pretty punch much. It. Like if my arms weren't like this. <laughs> um, yeah, so like it was perfect because when uh, Shannon ended up calling, I can't remember, calling somebody involved with the race and mm. they talked to somebody at the medical tent. They were like, we can't get an ambulance to her. You're just going to have to call. 911 and they'll get you one so it's kind of a little bit of dramatic yeah. <laughs> a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah six ivs um, kind of suggest that yeah and my husband mike was actually not too far away as well so oh okay um i can't remember if he came in the ambulance with me or if he just moseyed his way on up there by himself moseyed yeah <laughs> just grabbed himself a coffee on the way up because he knew it was going to be a long 24 hours exactly and a, <laughs> a pizza I don't know <laughs> <laughs> so what what so after you got out of hospital what what were the or even I guess while you're in hospital I imagine emotions were pretty high for you um you know DNFing in Kona I guess knowing it was going to be a battle before going into it, but still I imagine you were pretty disappointed. Yeah. Like, of course, um, like it, it was definitely ups and downs. Like I was super in some ways proud of the performance that I put out there considering mm. everything that I'd been going through going into it. Um, disappointed that I couldn't have gotten further on mm. the run. Um, but like knew that I'd given everything on the day, no mm -hmm. doubt. And so kind of, yeah, like, okay, okay with it, considering what I went through, like mm. disappointed and probably fearful of what was to come and that that yeah. could have been the last race. Um, but also I think just glad that it was kind of over. Yeah, okay. Like just that whole Kona experience done, but um, ready to, you know, try and get back healthy and get back to racing at the level I felt like I was capable of. Yeah. So months months after there were – is, sorry, is that when you had the surgeries? Was that knee and foot surgery after that? Yeah, like I, I tried to like rehab it without surgery, the foot. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think I waited until January to start to try running again. Mm. Um, and I tried, you know, for like a couple of months, um, but I knew it wasn't right. But my knee flared up at the same time. Mm. Um, and yeah, ended up having foot and knee surgery at the same time. Fuck. And did the knee flare up as a result of like compensation for the foot? Or Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think it was like I've, I'd had knee trouble before as well, but for sure a compensation mm. of just trying to avoid that because it was my second toe that I dislocated. So I was always trying to avoid that. Mm. Fuck, pesky toe. I know. Like a, <laughs> a toe, a toe. Like just, I was just like, maybe let's just amputate it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that would be better. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Especially Do when you look at them now. <laughs> oh gosh. Have you got terrible yeah. toes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we Brett's try and keep them covered up at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's got terrible toes and like to the point if he rolls over in bed and touches my leg, I'm like, Wah, get, ah, get off. 
<laughs> Go away. Mike, Mike's a little bit more tolerant than you. Yeah, but if you switch that over, I imagine you would have the same tolerance as I would if Mike had the... Probably. Yeah. We are twins after all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so when I was just double-checking some stats and stuff on you, I found an article which I want to get your thoughts on it. It was back in 2011 and and I don't even know if you remember it. It was on Slow Twitch and the the heading says Julie Dibbons' toe hurts and I'm like... You guys are absolutely just fucking having a crack at it. Like you, you are downplaying it. That's what it said. That is the <laughs> title, and that is that is very obvious that they're trying to, like, oh, her toe hurts. This is when was it? Just before it must have been just before Kona, I think. But clearly, you don't remember that. No, I don't remember that. That's a. It's a little dig, yeah. or maybe it's just like clickbait, whatever you want to call it. But I was like, yeah. Oh, that's a bit shit. Who wrote the article? I'm going to reach out to them. That's uh, old mate Timothy Carlson. Oh, Timmy Carlson. I'll let it fly. <laughs> he can get away with it. Yeah, he can get away with it. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, okay, so obviously a really rough time. Um, and sorry to keep bringing up this bit, but I like I know you're on the other side. Yep, Tishik. <laughs> you brought it up initially when you talked about retirement. Yeah, so um, this is all on you. But, okay, so m- months and months later, I know you, you've done everything to try and get back into into racing, but unfortunately um, I guess retirement was looming. Mm-hmm. How, sounds like a stupid question, how tough was it to retire? Because obviously that's a tough decision. But do you remember that moment where you made that made that decision? Yeah, so I I had the surgery in 2012. I like was super disciplined about trying to come back and doing all the rehab. Uh, my foot actually felt okay. It was my knee that took longer than anticipated. Um, and then 2013, I didn't race either. 2014, I actually did uh, three races. Mm-hmm. Um, with Mont Tremblant 70.3 being my last one. And I always joke with Meredith Kessler that she was the one that, you know, put the final nail in the coffin. She broke me because that was the last race. <laughs> and she beat me there. Um, <laughs> She's yeah, my, like the nicest person on the planet. I know. Just, she, yeah. she really is. But she <laughs> just, that was it. I was done. Yep. She gets to put that at the top of her resume list. <laughs> Um, maybe not at the top, but at the bottom. Um, my other knee actually went in that race and I needed to have surgery on that. Like, again, I think I was pretty badly compensating everything sure. on the right side with the left side. And it, like, it wasn't a major surgery, but I was just like, like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just didn't want to go through all the kind of like heartache and Mm. rehab and I just didn't have the heart for it anymore like I my whole career had been a lot of ups and downs like I probably actually only raced for half of my career (laughs) because there was 50% just on the sidelines trying to come back like my body was I think made to either be in the water or on a bicycle it's not made to run (laughs) (laughs) and uh, well I get people forget 
or maybe I, maybe I'm talking on behalf of all people and getting it wrong, but people forget that you're also an Olympian as well. Like you've you've done some pretty epic stuff. I yeah, like I it does seem a long time ago. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I'm very thankful for the successes that I had in the sport, and I got to mm. do a lot of very cool things that yeah. do seem especially the Olympics and my ITU career seemed mm. to be a, a long, long time ago. Um, but yeah, like, especially now with the Olympics coming up, um, mm. like I, I do sometimes forget that that's kind of cool. It's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've ticked some pretty big boxes in the sport. That's for sure. Yeah. I think my, my Olympic experience was not super positive. Um, and so that's probably why as well I tend to not dwell on it too much or or think about it too much. Right. Do you mind me asking why not super positive? Because of results or the experience or? Um, well, so I qualified for Sydney Olympics, mm-hmm. um, got injured right before that. There's kind of a pattern. <laughs> um, so didn't I was already down in Australia for that um, on the Gold Coast. And that was kind of like a last, I think it was like, I don't know, 10 days or two weeks out, decided that there was no way I was going to be able to run. So pulled out of that event. And that was um, like definitely one of the hardest things I've been mm. through. Um, like I only got into the sport in two years before that. So it was mm. like a relatively quick, holy shit, I made the Olympic team. <laughs> to holy shit, I'm injured. I'm not going to race in the Olympics. So yeah. like this massive swing of emotions um, and then was injured a lot in between 2000 and 2004, but managed to get healthy for the trials, qualified for Athens. And then there was just a lot of political stuff going on. Obviously, I also was managing the dislocated toe. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know if you remember, like Jody Swallow, there was a lot of controversy with her because she had pre-qual or qualified a year out, but had to prove fitness. Um, and there was just a lot of infighting going on. Um, so I think we basically did the event and then everybody just wanted out of there. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I vaguely remember now, but I don't think I was, yeah, across all of that back then. I don't think I was super fan back then. So yeah. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. And that, that's kind of the side to the Olympics that I think a lot of people don't appreciate that yeah. there's, you know, potentially only three people that walk away from each event happy. Mm. And a lot of other people are heartbroken, or not heartbroken, but devastated. Um, and not that I ever thought I was going to get a medal. Like, I think I was always pretty realistic. Um, but it was more when Great Britain didn't get a medal, like Michelle Dillon came sixth, I think, Mm -hmm. but because we didn't get a medal, you know, it's seen as a failure. Mm. Um, And so that that was always kind of hard to deal with, I think. Yeah. And even before you get to the start line, the Olympics is brutal in what you just spoke about, the the qualification process uh, and the politics behind it and, um, we're seeing that right now with people um, 
being excluded from teams uh, that many many people, you know, don't agree with those decisions. Um, I've seen a couple of athletes posting about it. Most recently, I don't know if you've seen, probably not because I know you're not a huge social media person, um, but I also reckon you, you might be like Breddy that he doesn't post anything, but he he looks at stuff. Are you a, like a I definitely look, Instagram I, I researcher? I look at stuff. I look yeah. at stuff because I feel like um, I need to, you know, from the business side of things. Yeah. Um, and it's also a way for me to keep my eyes on my athletes. Ah, um, yeah. <laughs> to check what they're up to. So, like, I, I definitely, I do. I'm a little bit of a stalker, um, <laughs> but also just not a huge fan of social media. So try yeah. to not be glued to it for too long. Good call. I wish that could be me. I'm making efforts. Yeah to move yeah. away as much as I can from it. Um, but, yeah, um, just as an example, Nat Van Kovorden from Australia posted um, about her missing out on Olympic selection and it's uh, it, it was a good post, um, insightful, heart-wrenching. It's brutal. It, the, yeah. I think especially the Olympics because it is only every four years or five years in this case. That's a long four years is a long time in an athlete's career. Absolutely, and it, it's the Olympic Games. Like I don't know um, anybody that is a competitive swimmer, runner, triathlete, whatever that their part of their sport is part of the Olympics that doesn't aspire to being there. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, like it's. I feel like people are starting to learn more just with, with maybe just the media are touching on it more or maybe with the social media side of things, we're getting to hear some of the heartbreak and the, the downs or the, the negativity that comes with it. Um, again, like typically two or three people make the team and there's probably, I don't know, five or 10 other people with a realistic chance. Um, yeah. And then it's, it's done. You didn't make the team. Like, got four, yeah. four years to wait to try and do that again. And there's obviously a lot that comes with making the team as well. Like I remember us fighting out for funding and, you know, obviously mm. sponsors and yeah, there's, there's a lot of it that's tied into that. Yeah. Do you feel like um, friendships and relationships were healed over a period of time after 2004 or were there friendships that were, done and dusted after that um i i feel like we managed to kind of well i don't know like the the, the biggest controversy that we had was between jody swallow and andrea whitcomb um and i feel like their friendship was definitely tainted by it because I had the same coach as Jody, and I was battling an injury. Um, I was definitely more on Jody's side of things. And mm. like our friendship, you know, if anything, was stronger for it. Um, I think, I don't think it really affected mine and Andrea's um, relationship. Like we definitely went two separate ways. Like I started doing uh, Xterra and you know middle distance racing shortly after that um yeah. and I, I forget how much longer she continued to race but we were very different athletes as well yeah okay 
Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, brutal. Yeah. Brutal politics. It's uh, fascinating. Interesting times right now as well in the sport, that's for sure. Please excuse this very brief interruption. I'm just here to say, if you are not already a Wits Up Patreon member, please consider signing up. It really helps us out and supports Wits Up to continue to bring you powerful narratives of women in sport. Just click the link in the description below uh, or just simply go to patreon.com slash witsup. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash witsup. And I assume you know how to spell witsup. Uh, okay, back to the podcast. I, I do want to know how how do you how do you look back on your career or how would you like people to remember you as an athlete? Dang it! All these questions about me. <laughs> what if we, do you want to ask me some questions about my fantastic triathlon career? Uh, what was the um, highlight of your career? Uh, I've done six iron distances. Wow. <laughs> Which was your best one? Well, it depends on how you define the term best. Do you mean like fastest or? Uh, oh, the one that you look back on as the most successful. Ooh. Um, yeah, see, I, I, I don't. I'm your typical triathlete, aren't I? I, I don't see any of them as hugely successful. Um <laughs> But the fondest memory is probably we did Roth uh, as part of our honeymoon and I just had an absolute ball even though so much shit went wrong. I just, it was awesome. I was there with my husband and my best mates and it was, that's a pretty Did you cool guys experience. like stay together the whole time or you just both oh. raced? Oh, no, just you raced. No, no, he raced as well but we... <laughs> So I, this is the second year I did Roth, and yeah. I, do you know the DI2 battery story? No. <laughs> oh, shit. And <laughs> you just keep thinking because I know you're trying to deflect from your the questioner, but I won't forget. Um, long story short, I did Roth the first year and didn't recharge my DI2 battery. It was when battery DI2 was very new um i charged it in australia thinking you know this it lasts for months whatever and i run out of juice with 60k to go so that sucked especially on the roth course which is heaps of fun um to go fast on the bike which is my like that's all i can really do swimming and running isn't great but biking <laughs> I, I used to be able to do uh anyway so i wrote about it uh when i was writing for the triathlon magazine Everyone gave me shit about it, which is fair enough. Um, and then the next year I posted a photo of me charging my battery and just like, screw you guys, I'm, I'm doing it this time, everyone shut up, leave me alone. But it was back when it was an actual battery, not you don't didn't just plug it into like the um, junction box thing. Yep. So I've got it charging, bike's in transition the day before and I'm charging it at home to take it down the next day. It's in my, it's in my backpack, in my gear bag. And I'm swimming, having a shit swim, always did. And I've got about like this. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like this. <laughs> oh, is that what I'm doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Just getting some dibs about how to swim. Uh, for those who are not watching the YouTube video. <laughs> um, yeah, I had about a K to go in the swim, and I was like, fuck, my battery is in my gear bag 
which is now on a truck on the way to T2 because it was split transitions. Yeah. So then I started swimming faster because that would have made a difference. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, I got out of the water and I'm yelling at everybody who most of the volunteers only speak German and I'm yelling that I need a battery or does anyone have a spare bike battery because everyone's just got them laying around, right, in their pockets. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Yeah, so couldn't find anyone and then someone said to me, I think it was the commentator, there's a bike shop up the road. So I've you go out of transition and you do like a hard right on the bike course. I did a hard left under the bat, the banners, you know, the ribbons and everything. And everyone's like, halt, halt. I think that's stop in German, isn't it? Is it halt? I think so. <laughs> I think that's what I was saying. Um, but I'm looking for this bike shop, which it's a Sunday morning at like seven o'clock in the morning. Bike shops aren't open, but I've rocked up and the manager happened to be there getting ready to cheer on the race. So he's opened the shop, found me a battery. Anyway, this all took about 25 minutes. In the meantime, Brett started 25 minutes behind me. So by the time I got the battery on the bike back on course, I ended up riding up next to him and went flying past him because I was so fucking angry at myself. And he's like, <laughs> what's wrong? And I'm like, fucking rah, rah, rah. He's like, all right. And then I realised I should probably slow down because I probably shouldn't be riding faster than ready um but in the end I we rode so much of the course together him of course on my wheel and then I was just like if I'm gonna save it save anything from this race I have to be into transition before him (laughs) so I rode off (laughs) so dumb and then completely blew up on the run but hilarious so anyway that's my story are you guys uh, pretty competitive then? He's not. I am yeah. so competitive. He's just like, all right, cool, whatever. <laughs> just, and I'm like, I can have to beat him. He doesn't know that I'm competing with him because I'm just, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. How about you two? Are you two competitive? I know you are. Uh, of course, of course I yeah. am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Mike? Um, yeah, I would say he is, um, but. He's, you know, it's hard living with me. Like I am pretty competitive. Like it's got to be hard. He has to deal with a lot of shit. So God Same bless him. Brett. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, he, um, okay. Oh, he, sorry. he likes to say that the only thing that he can beat me at these days is peeing for distance. Peeing? Yeah. Because he's got a doodle. He can pee yeah. hog. <laughs> I'm like, well, we haven't tried. <laughs> this is brilliant yeah hey you need to get him a trophy if he wins you have to get him a trophy i should i totally totally should do that yeah you know those old i think this is like a well-known painting there's a painting of a of a is it two or it's a little boy and he's peeing it's a famous or maybe i'm just making that up oh no i think i know what you mean yeah you should just like recreate that as a trophy. Yeah, I'm in his office. Maybe I'll just put it back there. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, he wouldn't I even like notice it. it until he's on like a work call. Yeah. And there's what? just a little boy peeing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, what does he do for a living? Uh, he is a, uh, let me think. No, he's an <laughs> IT, IT auditor. What does that even mean? Uh, yeah, that's above my yeah. level. 
As soon as you say IT, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. IT. Yeah. He works in IT. Uh, like some, a lot of times he's dealing with security. Like simply put, I think what he's doing is checking that everybody has their passwords updated and they're constantly changing them because that's what he's asking me all the time. <laughs> Um, it's a little bit more advanced than that i imagine but yeah that's it i love how you've simplified that into he changes passwords that's what he does just checks that people are doing the right things (laughs) um right okay julie divins how would you like people to remember your career or how do you look back on your career oh we're back to that um I, I I don't like that question. Um, Do you get that question often? No, I don't. Okay. I, <laughs> I, actually, to be honest, I don't get a lot of people. I don't talk about my racing a lot these days. Okay. Do you feel um, uncomfortable talking about your racing? Like, I don't really like talking about myself in general. Um, yeah. But, it, like, I think it's more... Um, it's not like that that's in the past and right now I'm coaching and I'm trying to focus on them doing the best that they can do yeah but a lot of your career you've learned a lot about yourself as an athlete that you take into your coaching right 100% yes you're correct yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so how would you like people to remember you as an athlete? <laughs> I mean, you're not letting this one go. I feel like we've only got like eight minutes left. Nah, we something. can go over time. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, like, I guess just somebody that was versatile, um, you know, like being able to do Olympics, ITU, uh, Xterra. Um, yeah. Like, I always had fun doing different things. and. Yeah, like I, I really loved what I did and just being able to race and everything about racing. Yeah. I'm going to throw a word at you. We'll play mm-hmm. a word, word game. Okay. I mean, resilient comes up. Oh, I like that. I mean. I like that because I actually listened to a podcast recently about resiliency. Ah. I've started, I've started listening to, to podcasts. Look at that. Wow. Look wow. at me broadening my horizons. Um <laughs> And, like, resilience is, like, such a huge part, especially in Ironman, right? And, like, uh, I was just in Coeur d'Alene with Lauren Brandon and Justin Metzler, and Justin had a phenomenal race, and that Mm. was kind of the thing that I was telling him before the race and even watching him during the race, just, like, super resilient with his focus all day and just executing. Um, So, yeah, like, that would be a huge compliment. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me giving you compliments. I know. Who'd have, who'd have thought? <laughs> um, but so let's talk about your coaching a little bit more. You've got, is it four assistant coaches working with you at the moment? Yep. Four women? Three women. Uh, actually, no, five. We just uh, brought on one new one that has ah. balls. <laughs> Are you allowed to say who it is, or that's a secret moment? Actually, let's let's see if you can guess. 
Um, oh, okay. Okay, he used to race uh, yep. professionally. Uh, mm-hmm. He is uh, – well, that might be too much. Um, let me think. <laughs> he's, he's Australian. Ooh. Used to – like recently retired? Uh, I'd say within the last – I can't remember the last time race. Three to four years, kind of that time frame. Shit. Oh, I need I need another clue. Um, Craig Alexander is working under Julie Divins. <laughs> yeah, yes, he is. Yeah, <laughs> payback's a bitch, Chloe. <laughs> uh, no, not Chloe. Um, it's hard because I don't really give. But a shit he did about have a very, a very amazing duel with Chloe in one of his best races. Brownie. Nope. Oh no, he's New Zealand. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you need to touch up on your yeah, triathlon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but he's also still racing, so um, he had a good, a great duel with Crowy in Kona, or no, um, in Melbourne. Oh, see, that's why I immediately thought Crowy because that was, you know, the big epic battle between. Uh, sorry, I thought Brownie. Um, Fuck. This uh, is going to one more one more clue more. that might help you because it's going to rule it down to like maybe five. He was on the Trek Caseless team with me. Oh god. Aussie Caseless. Yeah. Uh, like he says oh, fuck a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. That normally gives it away. Just like that. Say it again. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All I can think of who was on K-Swiss is Luke McKenzie um, from yeah, Australia. Yeah, he, he was on the Trek K-Swiss too. Oh, Trek K-Swiss. Yeah. And now, oh, God, Trek. Tim Reed, but he's still racing. Um, he's got his own coaching stuff. This is embarrassing. Oh, You're going to have well. to tell me. No. <laughs> We're out of time. <laughs> Trek, okay, uh, sweet. No, no, I'll just tell you. Uh, Barney. Paul oh, of course, of course, yeah. of course. Oh, yes, yep. A, a similar personality to you as well, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so, like, he's – we're just starting now. Um, I'm super excited to bring him on. Like, with all the coaches, like, I was very reluctant to bring on new coaches. Mm. Um. Anyway, just because I always wanted to make sure they're the right fit. Um, mm. And, yeah, like I think Barney's going to be, yeah, I'm excited to work with him. Like we we have a similar, I think, similar personality. Um, like our history, like we go back, mm. you know, a long ways. Um, and, yeah, I think he can bring a lot to the table. So I'm excited to see how it works out. Oh, that's awesome news. I can yeah. I can absolutely see him working with you. Um, yeah. Awesome. And the rest of the crew. Well, let, let the rest of the crew, uh, Lauren, Brandon, Kate. Lauren, Brandon, Caitlin. Katie, Caitlin Snow, uh, Dee Dee, yep. Reese Bauer, yep. uh, and Katie Kime. Um, oh, those yes. Those are the yep. four females. Um, and then, yeah, just bringing on the barn dog. 
<laughs> and obviously they don't need to be in Boulder uh, with you. This is – where's Barney these days? Uh, he's just outside of Austin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like it can all be remote. Like definitely we'll try and get everybody to Boulder at some point. Um, it's nice just for us to spend some time together, um, you know, and then camps. We'll try and get all the coaches available uh, when we can. Um, but, yep. yeah, like it's, you know, how it is. Like it's all pretty much remote these days. Yeah, definitely. How, do, how yeah. does the coaching setup work? Do you – so obviously you're coaching professionals, but there's the a bunch of age groupers. Is it about – them contacting you and you sort of selecting the best coach for that athlete? Like how, how does that, I guess, relationship work with the assistant coaches? Yeah, like um, getting the right athlete with the right coach is like hugely important to us. Mm. Um, so like typically people will reach out through the website um, and then – there'll be an initial call. Katie normally does that because she loves to talk um, <laughs> and she's really good at it. Um, and so she kind of gets the feel for the athlete and then, you know, looks at which coaches have availability and, and which one might work the best. Um, but like also with that, like I, it's super important for all the athletes to work together. Um, mm -hmm. Because we do try to, like, it's not just about the program. Like, we're trying to build that community and that camaraderie between, like, all the athletes. Um, and that's kind of come from my whole vision when I wanted to set it up in Boulder was to try and create an environment that's optimal for pros to base themselves and train out of, like, that where we can get the work done but have fun doing it. Yeah. Um, and Boulder just seemed to be the perfect place in my mind um, because the logistics of getting the training done is, is pretty easy here. Um, and then we just tried to carry that over now that we have more coaches underneath us and more athletes. And I think it just became more apparent to us how important that is to people, especially during last year, during the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, when people were isolated, how you know, just setting up a, a group Facebook page and we do like Zwift rides every couple of weeks and people really appreciate that and enjoy that side of things. As, as an athlete myself, like I would have never been interested in that really. Like mm. I was pretty self-motivated and driven and just wanted to do my thing. Um, but I seen how powerful that side of things can be. Um, and people really enjoy that side of it. So it's really important to have personalities that fit well mm. uh, within so, the group so in saying that have you said no to someone who's asked you to coach them yeah yeah who no I'm joking <laughs> 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 I'm joking but I I feel like that that obviously comes across I imagine well you've just said it a lot of it comes down to personality as well it, you're not just writing programs um if that community is important then personalities play a massive role in that yeah absolutely like i think um like it's important for you to have that connection with each athlete um mm. like it's coaching for the most part is hugely uh fulfilling and enjoying but there's times where 
you know, it's hard. And so if you don't have that connection with the person, um, it becomes more sort of mundane and, oh, I've got to get this done. And that's not why I want to do this. Like I want to enjoy it and be on the journey with each athlete um, and see them, you know, try and reach their potential as an athlete and enjoy the whole journey of it. Yeah. Have you, um, this is a bit random, but I've, I've noticed in the sport sometimes there's good breakups between an athlete and a coach, but a lot of the times as well there's bad breakups. Um, how do you approach that if, say, either you recognise that it's not working, have you managed to see that and, and make the call or how have you responded if an athlete has decided that it's not working and approaches you to break up yeah like I, I've always especially with the professionals like as a professional athlete you have one chance of being a professional athlete mm. like you can't afford to fuck it up mm. um, and so like you kind of as a coach to professionals I feel like we really have to try and put our ego aside mm. and so if it's not working um, from either perspective it's like, that's okay. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a bad coach, but there's somebody better out there for you. Mm. Um, like, and there have been a couple of hard breakups. Um, you know, I'm thinking of one um, where I told the athlete that this is just not, I'm just not the right coach for you. Mm. Um, like, you need to find somebody else because I can't help you. Like, it was just constant battling. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like, there have been a couple of, athletes that have left me that I was you know super bummed about but also know that it was the right call um like I I am probably good at certain things that will help certain athletes um and I'm not while I would like to be good for everybody Mm. um that's just not how the world works you know coaching or, or not coaching that's that's the entire world right yeah, not everyone exactly. yeah that's um that's a really hard lesson to learn i think i i am one of these people who i i need everyone to like me i it's something that i'm still trying to work with and 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 deal with and recognize that that's just not the world that we live in um and that's okay people are different 100% like in mm-hmm. yeah like it's it's definitely not easy um you know, when somebody's not happy with the product that I'm mm. selling. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like I think I've just come to learn that, yeah, like I'm, I'm not right for everybody um, mm. and it, that's okay. Like I, I can continue to try and be better and be like a really well-rounded coach, um, mm. but there's still going to be some people that I just don't have the right energy for. Like I'm. Mm. As you can imagine, I'm not like a real high five, huggy, you're awesome uh, kind of coach, um, you know. And some people really need that. And yep. so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be standing on the end of the pool deck telling somebody they're awesome every day if I don't think they're awesome. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> I would try to tell them they're awesome, but it doesn't quite come out the right way. (laughs) 
Uh, yours would be absolutely a uh, a tongue in cheek, smart ass kind of. Oh, you yeah. think you're awesome? All right, go and do <laughs> one more K. <laughs> that's how awesome you are. Fuck off. Yeah, let's go but ride up the mountain up. together. See how awesome yeah, you yeah. really are. <laughs> how many of the guys are you toweling up still on the bike? Like, I reckon you're still giving some of those guys a bit of a run for their money. Like, it's definitely getting harder. Um, <laughs> I get not so much giving them a run for a money, but they they struggle to drop me. Mm. Like, I, like, I've just learned how to, you know, just kind of, like, I think I've always known, like, how to sit out of the wind and save energy and be a little yep. bit cagey. Um, <laughs> so, like, it's... Like a little game, I think we play with the guys. Like, did you yep. drop dips today? And like, yeah. So when it happens, there's there's like a small celebration. Um, and That's I'm, unreal. I've like played the coach's card that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just badass. I freaking love it. I love it so much. Um, hey, I know that we're going over time. I don't care. Have you still got a few more minutes up your sleeve, please? I do. I do. Okay. Um, so, so throughout this entire episode, people will have obviously have recognized that big noting yourself, talking about yourself makes you severely uncomfortable. Like it's just, it's not your thing. You don't like it. My my armpits are sweating. (laughs) Do I make you nervous? (laughs) Actually, it reminds me, you came on one of the Wits Up panels very early on in Kona, which. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And. I didn't realize, like, until obviously I got to know you a lot better, how much of a big deal that probably was. Well, for me, it was a big deal. Like, you were like, whatever. But, but in terms of you actually saying yes to it, based on what you're telling me these days, yeah, like that was a massive score for me. <laughs> you must have got me on a good day. Yeah, it was you, Belinda. I can't remember who else it was. I'm pretty sure Belinda was on the panel. Yeah, no, I definitely remember BG. Um, How can you not? Yeah. That's, pro- that's probably why you said yes. Exactly. You're like, Sweet, BG's got sure, this. I made sure I sat next to her. Like, she's got this covered. Yeah. Just pass the mic. <laughs> it might have been I, Snowy. Was it Emma Snowsu or Emma Fridino? Maybe? I think so. And maybe, um, I don't know, Maybe was it Carolyn Stefan? Maybe. Oh, maybe. Jeez, what a lineup. What a lineup. That's awesome. Good times. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so back back to you, just shining the spotlight on you again. What <laughs> What do you – okay, I'm going to go at this a bit of a weird way. I feel like you're the kind of person who – so we're, we're twins, but we yeah. are also quite different in some respects. Like I'm happy with heaps of people around me and being an idiot in front of, you know, like I, I'm okay with the spotlight on me. So that's where we definitely differ, right? Yeah, 100% <laughs> yes. correct. I mean, you're an idiot as well. That's That we've got in common. And like I thought you were saying, like, because you're like, you started out with that, I'm happy. I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> you're very different. <laughs> I'm happy you're miserable. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, um, I'm yeah, I'm happy in that environment. I feel like you're the kind of person that, A, you don't suffer fools, uh, so you just don't have time for douchebags. Bullshit. 
yeah, you, yes, you're definitely an OBS kind of person. Even though you take the piss out of people, you, there's no time for the actual bullshit. Yeah. But I feel like you've, you would have a close-knit group of, like, your people is a small circle of people. Yeah. 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 Um, is that the kind of person you've – I don't want to say introvert because I don't think that's quite the right word. Um, or maybe it is. Like, you're self-motivated – you don't really like talking about yourself. You don't want massive crowds of, like, you just do your own thing. Have you always been like that or has that sort of come out since you've been involved in sport? I, I think I've always been like that. Um, right. Like I, I went to boarding school pretty young. Um, oh, boarding school such a foreign concept for me. Yeah. So that, that means you you went away from your family and lived at the school, right? Yeah. Okay, sorry, carry on. Um, yeah, like I was, I got like 10 and a half, 11 when I first went. Fuck. And like I, it was 100% the right decision for me, um, but it was hard. Mm. Um, and like you just, you have to figure things out yourself. Because, um, right. yeah, like that's that's the only way. Um, like, of course, I, I had, and like I think you, you know, you touched on it. Like I, I always need like a few small people in my circle. Um, but I am, yeah, definitely. I like to be independent. Mm. You can ask Mike that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think somewhat being forced to figure things out myself, like that's just my go-to. Yeah. Um, and then just having the support of the people that I trust and care around me is kind of all I really need. Yeah. Fire, boarding school just – and it's not from a judgmental place whatsoever, but it just is it – uh-oh, we've got – oh, hi, buddy. Who's Dakota? <laughs> oh, you muffin. <laughs> Do you put on a stupid voice when there's a dog anywhere near you? I do. Um, probably. Yeah. Probably not quite like yours was. Yeah, What's up, buddy? <laughs> and we, oh. I'm going to show you, we have a little guest as well, little Lucy. Lucy Lou. Oh, Lucy. two puppy dogs. Yeah. Dogs there are the best. I can't believe we haven't even talked about, hi, <laughs> can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's wondering when we're going to be done because dinner's ready. Oh, sorry. We won't be too much longer. I promise. You can let him Five, know. You go ahead and eat. Five or ten minutes. Sorry, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> I can't believe we haven't talked about dogs yet because that's that's what we're all here for. That's what exactly. I end up talking about on this podcast. <laughs> Henry, right? Dogs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Henry is, uh, hang on, 2008. What year are we in? He's 13 in December. Oh, wow. Yeah. He looks like he's still super healthy, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Still like a puppy dog. He's, he moves a little bit slower. Like I feel like he's um, – we've got a really high bed and so it takes him a little while to be able to warm up to jump up onto the bed. And we bought him some steps the other day to climb up, but he's – maybe he's a little bit stubborn like me. Is He's definitely my dog. He's stubborn and won't use them. <laughs> Yeah, we had um, with little Lucky Dog. Little Lucky Dog is no longer with us. Yeah. Um, but we tried her on the steps the last couple of years, and she just 
just try to jump. Sometimes she'd make it, sometimes she didn't. But yeah. No. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard seeing them age. I can't even think about it. Can yeah. you talk about I can. Your, like it, yeah, it was now. Oh, it was awful. Um yeah. but she had such a great life. You know, like she was That's I right. think she was six, 16 and I know like Henry's the same way, right? Yeah. Like there's so many memories that we had with Lucky. Like we lived in England with Lucky for oh. um like six years before we moved out to the US. And yeah. so like there's this whole chapter that we had with her back there. But like sixteen years is a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was special. Just like Henry is. Yeah. Oh gosh, I can't even think about it. Yeah. But yeah. It's hard. Nothing can pre- could prepare you for it, but no. you'll get through it. Yeah. Yep. Next subject. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sorry, I just, I did want to quickly go back to boarding, boarding school because it is, it's, it's very much a a foreign concept for me. I don't think it's a huge Australian thing or maybe Mm -hmm. just where I'm, I'm from little Island at the bottom of Australia. Um, was that kind of the thing that was done where you grew up or just happened to be your family? That's how it happened. No, like it's definitely in, I don't know if it is still now, but like it was in the culture. Mm. Um, and I would say that in general, the boarding schools, private schools were better, edu- you get a better education there. Um, yeah. Like my brother went to boarding school as well. He actually lives in Sydney now. Hey. Um, yeah. Fed income, mate. Um, oh, sounds terrible. <laughs> that's the best I've got. Um, terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Boarding school. Yeah, so he, he went to boarding school before me, a different one. Um, my parents sent me to the boarding school that I went to specifically um, for, like, the athletic side of things, and I just right. started swimming. So that's why I went to that one. Um, yeah, but so in general, it was just in, in the culture Yeah, that it's, it's okay to do if it works, do it. Um, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I think for, for like, it, it's an adjustment, but mm. like I, I had, a, I had a blast. Like yeah. once I got over like the homesick side of things, um, like you're just living with your friends, like, yeah nine months of the year so yeah yeah right and did you always know or have a sense that sport was going to be your direction yeah I think so like I I was like into everything that I could like I you know it was definitely a tomboy growing up and idolized my brother and did whatever he could do or tried to um and was just all about being outside, I don't know, throwing a ball, kicking a ball, chasing somebody, riding a yeah. bike, swimming, like whatever. I'll yeah. give it a go. What's your hand-eye or ball, hand-ball coordination like these days? Um, I'd say it's okay. Yeah? Yeah. Excellent. I think Most... I can hold, hold my own. Okay. Most yeah. triathletes I speak to, nah. Just yeah. they know how to go in a straight line, the end. <laughs> Yeah, like the actual, 
hand-eye coordination is okay. Like the lateral movement side to side oh, and yeah. agility side of things, <laughs> like with these knees, no, not so great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But if I threw a ball at you or something at you, you could probably catch it. I would like to think so, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll test out that theory. When you come to visit your brother in Sydney, I'll come up and meet you. Hey, we're ready to do it. Tell you, yeah, we are ready. If you come to Australia, can we please hang out? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to start wrapping it up. Um, I would love, though, to find out what you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned that you take into your coaching or even just your day-to-day life? Um, like pro- probably the biggest thing I try and live by with the coaching stuff is um, like to just really try and enjoy the whole journey of it. Mm. Uh, like triathlon can be incredibly intense and training for triathlon, there is so much discipline and hard work that has to be done to reach Mm. the level that most people want to reach. Um, But we can have fun while we're doing it. And, um, you know, I I think I learned that from one of my coaches early on that, yeah, like it's just a journey that we're on um, Mm. and it's really important to enjoy, you know, the ups and downs of it and try and learn from it. Mm. Good one. I like it. I think a lot of triathletes need to learn that lesson sooner yeah. rather than later. Yeah. <laughs> Fact. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, any any burning questions you've got for me before I let you go? Um, let me think. <laughs> I'm just doing this because I'd like you to think that it hasn't all been about you. <laughs> Yeah, the one question doesn't change that. <laughs> You've done really well. I'm very oh, proud well, thank of you. you. Well, thank you. <laughs> I just think I think um I don't know. I don't I don't know. Well, you said that not many people talk to you about your career anymore and I don't know. From my point of view, I think it's nice to let people know the impact that they've had on other people's lives and I don't think people say that enough. Um in day-to-day life, in the greatest scheme of things, I think um, like we talked about before, you're an idiot, but I think you're a, I'm, um, from a fangirl, like I just, I just think your career was fascinating. Um, you were like my number one when I got into the sport. I was just like, yep, I want to be like her when I grow up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's important to tell people those things. Well, thank you very much. Did you tell Rinny when you, that, when you interviewed her? Who? Rinny. Rinny. Yeah, exactly. We don't yeah. even know who that is. <laughs> uh, for the record, everyone, we love Rinny. But we it do. is fun. It's fun bagging her out. It, it is, is fun. fun to poke at her a little bit. Just yeah. Little poke. yeah. <laughs> uh, mate, thank you so much. You've got dinner waiting on the table. Uh, he's a good husband. Uh, you've trained him well. I have. I have. Let's hope that we can catch up and connect if either we head over your way or if you come here, I'm shouting 100%. There. We'll yeah. make it happen. Okay. You can take me for a bike ride. Yes, let's do that. Okay. Done. That'd be, that'd be super fun. All right. Thank do you. you um, oh, go. Do you venture off-road at all? 
or you I want to. Road. That is yeah. that is my goal. I've I've gone for a few mountain bikes. Um I just I know I'll love it. But I just haven't done it enough. I've done more mountain biking while carrying camera equipment to yeah. do photos and videos of people doing mountain biking and that's really hard having 20 extra kilos on your back. So I'd love to actually just be able to go out and do it. Um, is there good like gravel riding or mountain biking where you are? Yeah, you just, you've got to drive to get there. So yeah. it's just, um, cause I imagine where you are, you pretty much just go out the front door and you're there, right? Yeah, for sure. Gravel riding. Boulder is not actually amazing for mountain biking, oh, um, okay. but you, you don't have to drive too far. Like there's some trails, um, yeah. But there's definitely places like within 30 minutes to an hour that are amazing for it, just not right in Boulder. Yeah. Okay. If you had to, if you were telling me, would you recommend I get a gravel bike next or a mountain bike? I would say gravel. Okay. But it, it, like it depends where you live. Like I've just, I've really gotten into gravel riding this year and it's just opened up like a whole nother world of okay like routes and opportunities to, you know, get off the same roads that we, you know, I've been riding for the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, and like, I guess the, the risk I have, like, I'm not like, you'll probably laugh at this. I'm not a great mountain biker. Um, and so Compared I can to get who? my, what do you mean? I can get myself in trouble. Um, if I go out mountain biking by myself, um, oh, whereas, okay. Gravel riding is a lot safer um, and I can have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> do, so do you take risks on the mountain bike or you just don't, you don't quite have the skills honed? I mean, you're a fucking Xterra champion. Yeah, but I'm not like, honestly, I'm not great technically. Um, oh. So like I've, I've actually started working on skills a little bit more recently just to do something different. Um, okay. Uh, so it's a little bit of both. Like I, you know, I like to have fun and if, if I'm riding with a guy and he gets over an obstacle, of course, I'm going to try and do the same thing. And sometimes it doesn't work out so well. <laughs> so you can't go by yourself. I get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you need one of those things uh, like the helmets that if you fall off the bike, it sends a, an, yeah, you need all those things on you. Yeah. So anything where you fall off. And maybe just a helicopter that hovers above me <laughs> at all times. <laughs> oh, shit. I love it. Um, stop talking. You've got to go. I know. Seriously. Dinner is waiting. Yeah. Mate, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I, You know how much I appreciate this. I do. I do. Thank you for uh, finally getting me on here. It's been fun catching up with you. Yes. <laughs> thanks for tuning in please make sure you hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are using leave us a comment it gives us some feedback but also helps with our podcast ranking but above all else keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness and we'll speak to you in the next episode